Hey, y'all. Thank you for joining me for episode two of the Sisters-in-Law podcast. My name is Charity Gates, and I am your host. This is a podcast featuring intimate conversations with Black women in law. Every other week, we will listen to stories from Black women about their trials, triumphs, and tribulations navigating careers in the legal field. Before we get started today, I just wanted to make a quick statement about the cataclysmic events that happened in the U.S. Capitol last week. It is the reflection of the two realities, the double consciousness that we as Black folks live in. This is why I started the podcast, because Black women who are in law aren't just attorneys or law students or judges or policymakers. We are also human beings racialized as Black. And this gives us a particular identity that informs every aspect of our lives, no matter if we want it to or not. It is our reality that we live in day in and day out and can't just remove like our outside clothes for the day. It is us. This is why I want this platform to be a space where we can openly and authentically discuss our experiences in a field that was not meant for us to be in, but one in which we have defied circumstances and exceptionally far exceeded expectations. And with that being said, today's episode features some of my former colleagues who are still currently students at the Benjamin N. Cardozo School of Law in New York City, my alma mater. I sat down with Kinsani, Victoria, Ayana, Jasmine, and Miola to get their perspectives on being sisters in law school. The ladies come from a range of years, from 1L all the way to 3L, and from varied backgrounds. You can catch part two of this episode, which features Grayson, who missed the original taping due to scheduling conflicts, but nonetheless had amazing things to say. Both parts are filled with so much love and authenticity and so many gems for those contemplating law school or those already navigating law school as first-gen students. You can check out the bio for each of these ladies in the episode description. All right, enough of me talking. Let's hear what these ladies had to say. Hey, ladies. Welcome to the Sisters-in-Law podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to get into this conversation with y'all. Today, we'll be talking about experiencing law school as a Black woman and as Black women. So let's go around and say your name, you're in law school, and your origin story. So where are you and your people from? And anyone can jump in. I'll jump in here. Charity, thank you so much for having us here. This is so exciting. My name is Victoria Lowe. I am currently a 2L, so going into my spring semester of 2L year. And my origin story, I think such a great question. I'm from both my family. They're from the States with definitely some family members from the Caribbean as well. From my mom's side, she's from Macon, Georgia. So I have a lot of ties to Georgia and the South. And then my dad's family is from New York, specifically my grandmother's from Queens. And uh, we migrated over to the Bronx. I'm a girl from the Bronx with roots in Harlem. I can jump in next. My name is Jasmine Cooper Little, and I am a 3L going into my spring semester, last semester to be exact. 
and my origin story is my dad is from Alabama and my mom and her family, they were, my mom and her siblings were raised in Connecticut, but my mom's parents came from Alabama in Georgia. So I still have a lot of ties on my dad's side, specifically Montgomery, Alabama. My dad actually lives in Tuscaloosa now, just many trips as a child going back and I still have a lot of family there. I can go next. So my name is Kensani Matobuna and I am a 2 and I am from South Africa. My mom is from the Eastern Cape. My dad is from a province called Mpumalanga. But I grew up in Johannesburg where they met and I moved to New York City 10 years ago now. So I don't think that really makes me a New Yorker, but maybe soon. I think you're close to it. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Ayana McPherson. I am a 3-0. Like Jasmine, I am on my way out. Thank God. But I am from Brooklyn, New York. My family, my dad's side is from Guyana, South America. And my mom is from a small town in Mississippi called Shaw. Hey everyone, I'm Miola Easter. I'm a 1L. I just finished my first semester of law school. My family is all from Mississippi, both my mom and my dad's side. Even though my immediate family, we moved around a lot in younger ages, but I lived in Houston for the majority of the time, but my roots are in Mississippi. Wow, so much geographic diversity in here. I love it. Next question, how did you all go about deciding which law school you wanted to attend. So from the contemplation stage to the application stage, what went into your thoughts about law school? I think for me, I first determined what area of law I wanted to go into. So going into law school, I knew I had an interest in entertainment law. So I knew, okay, I want to go to a hub city. So either LA or New York would be my priority. And then I, I know that I want to do music law. That's kind of my goal. So I looked at um, law schools that had a strong entertainment music law program. And Cardozo was one of those schools who were in the top for music law. So I was like, this would be a great school for me to go to. But also on top of that, it wasn't just a niche school where that was the only main area. There were other great programs within the school. So if I decided to change my mind, it was a good place to have different options. I can jump in too. So the way I decided where to go to law school was I'm actually from Connecticut, but I'd been living in New York for, I think, about three years or two years when I decided to just start the process. And I was comfortable where I was in New York and working. So I knew I wanted to stay in the area and also stay close to my family in Connecticut. So I really just focused on New York schools, applied to a few other schools in one in Connecticut and also in Massachusetts where I went to undergrad. But I I knew for sure that I wanted to stay in New York. Of the schools in New York that I applied to, I really looked at their programs and I know Cardozo just really stood out to me as far as the community. And I knew that they had a really strong ADR program, Alternative Dispute Resolution Program. And I knew from the beginning that I I wanted to be on the negotiation team at Cardozo. I know something just stood out to me as far as the community. And I liked that it was small because I went to a really large undergrad institution. So I just wanted to make sure I had all of the attention that I needed for the intense process of law school. I'll jump in here to piggyback on what Jasmine said. I think for me, one of the biggest things was access. 
and just access to resources and to people and the network, as well as professors. I have, for undergrad, I actually went to a small school and I liked that setting and I knew it worked for me. So it was important for me to find a law school that also had a similar setting where I felt like I can get a lot of attention as well and really connect with not just colleagues, but also professors and practitioners who are in the industries that I'm interested in. It's similar to Jasmine because I was based in New York City, particularly being far from home, I knew that I didn't want to leave the community that I had built and start again somewhere else. And so I pretty much focused on schools in New York City. And the things that stood out to me about Cardozo specifically, I just thought that, you know, we read up on these schools and in terms of it having an innocence project and ADR and intellectual property, it just seemed like a school that appreciated the arts, which I, I know is bizarre, but because my background is in dance and I just liked the idea of transitioning over to a law school that was at least valued the arts. And so in terms of like finding the right fit, that just stood out as, oh. And then when I went to one of the open days, it seemed, it had a sense of community, which I don't know if that is pretty special. Having a sense of community, no matter how strong it is, is I think quite remarkable. And so that that's what helped me make the choice. In terms of going to law school and starting, what were some of your preconceived notions going into law school? Maybe stereotypes that you had or things that you might have been, frankly speaking, nervous about or anxious about going into law school? I think that a lot of what people hear is that law school is hard. And I know there's varying levels of that because I think that students who have maybe parents who went to law school, they're getting maybe a firsthand experience. And students who are not in that same um, situation may be getting more of the scary side. Like it's super hard. And if you don't make a certain GPA that first year, they kick you out and like all of these really harsh things. So I think that going into law school, it didn't seem as glamorous to me. It seemed like it was going to be a really grueling three years. Right. They really whip in that that horror story there <laughs> with law school. Yeah. To piggyback off of what Ayana said, as a first generation law student, I didn't really have that much knowledge about the law school process. So really before I got into law school, I really did a lot of research on what it was like. I knew it was going to be hard. Um, and also my like background of knowing about law school is mostly from movies like Legally Blonde or Paper Chase, where they were just stressed out the entire time. So I knew it was going to be hard. I watched a lot of YouTube videos of people going through law school. So I kind of had some background knowledge that way. But I think one of the main things that I, a preconceived notion that I had was that it was just going to be an extremely cutthroat environment from what you see on the movies. And also some of my friends that I talked to about law school, they're like, people aren't friendly. 
They're very cutthroat. Everyone's competing against each other. And I know it really depends on the culture of the school. And what I love about Cardozo from what I've experienced is that people aren't like that here. People are always willing to help out. People are always friendly. So I haven't really experienced that side of law school yet. I'm hoping not to, but that was one thing that it just didn't, it didn't match up with what I was expecting. I want to piggyback on that as well. I definitely had the preconceived notion that it was going to be really cutthroat and there were going to be a lot of difficult personalities to deal with, which there definitely are a lot of interesting people in law school. But I realized once I was in pretty much engulfed in my studies that I didn't have so much time to be worried about the different personalities I was dealing with as much as I thought it was going to be. I was going to have to deal with it. But overall, definitely the cutthroatness was something I, I was thinking of and just how hard it was it was probably going to be. So Charity, we can get real transparent on here, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Authenticity cool. is key. Yes. I think one of the things I thought was I was going to meet the most brilliant people I've ever met before. And the questions of whether or not I was going to be able to keep up with that. I think that was a preconceived notion. And I think, especially being, as Miola mentioned, like a first-generation law student, professional student, you have these ideas. And I think for many of us, especially within the Black and Brown communities, we are inundated with the horror stories more than anything else. And I think that was something that kind of held me back for a while and stopped me from applying. Something that I chewed on for a long time was like, do I really want to put myself in this particular environment? I'm already successful in this other area. Do I want to embarrass myself, right, was was the thought process. Um, and just taking that leap of faith um, and just believing in oneself was so important. And because you get into this environment and you realize you aren't (laughs) encountering the most brilliant people ever, right? It's just like anything else. You have these very, you know, great people and and not so much if I'm just being honest, right? So for anyone, I think, who's questioning that and whether and wondering whether or not they're going to be able to compete, especially because for many of us, we're the first ones doing it. I think it's something something to be said about just believing in yourself and taking the leap of faith because you start to find the higher you get up into these upper, upper echelon kind of environments, right? Like people are people no, no matter where you go and no matter where you are. That's so true. <laughs> Very well said. So off of that question, what advice do you have for those who are contemplating applying to law school? or contemplating law school itself? Well, I think, yeah, that was something I was kind of thinking about. And I, and it really does connect to the question that you just asked, because like Victoria said, you know, you, you really wonder if you can do it, if you want to put yourself in an environment like this. So the first thing I would say to someone contemplating law school is that you're going to make it, you know, I, like take failing off the table, just take it off the table. Because at a certain point, you realize that, you know, one L year is hard. And then after that, you're like, this is still challenging. And then after that, you're like, oh, it wasn't that serious, you know? So I think it's all the things we put in our head before we start that actually can be debilitating and that actually can really prevent the success that we truly know we can achieve. 
And I would also say that, you know, Miola mentioned it being really cutthroat. And that is something that it is, I think, for Jasmine and myself and even Victoria and Kinsani, we started law school in school. And Miola is having a completely different experience because she's not like all day, every day in the building with people. You know, once once finals come around, the tensions get high. People are really short. It can get snappy. I mean, really, the roller coaster begins. But I think I would also tell someone that you have to talk to people. You have to find your tribe because we're getting graded against each other. So you really do need to know what's in someone else's mind. So you're not way off, you know, when you're when you're writing your exam answers. But that's the point of the Socratic method for us to be in there and talking. And then lastly, I would say just breathe and have faith and trust yourself that you'll figure it out as you go. It is always the practice of law. It is not something that you're going to get immediately and you just know it and you'll be an expert. The law is always changing. People's opinion of the law is always changing. And if you allow yourself to continue to grow and evolve, that it can be a much better process. Yeah, that's so important what you just said about leaning on your tribe and finding community in law school, too. That's extremely essential. You don't have to have it all figured out, you know. I think particularly for all of us who are first-generation law students, you don't really know what practicing or even studying the law is until you are in law school. And so all of it is, everything is just so new, right? And so even though it's a very stressful environment, a very demanding environment, having confidence that you're there because you've earned it and you are capable of doing the work. And then also giving yourself grace, I think is quite a challenge, but also really necessary just because assuming <laughs> that law school attracts like a lot of A-type personalities. And so you are more self-critical of yourself than you are like self-encouraging. And that's very tough because law school doesn't give you praise. You know, you, you do a whole semester and then it, for a lot of for the doctrinal classes, your grade just depends on the final. And then you, you work your butt off you write the final and you hope that is a good day, you know, but you don't necessarily get feedback during the process. And I think like, even though my background is so unrelated to law in terms of dance, the common thread is that like uh, Victoria also has a dance background, but you get corrections all of the time. And even though that is also a competitive and critical environment, the corrections are encouraging because if you're getting them, you have potential that you're moving in the right direction. And so in law school, it can, I think to, you know, to what Ayana said, it's important to reach out to find people who have taken the class with the same teacher so you can figure out what they want. Because unless you seek out the feedback, you're not going to get it. And I think that can be quite difficult in terms of assessing how you're doing in relation to everyone else. Yeah, so I would recommend, I, I would counsel that whoever's going to go into law school, obviously put your best foot forward, work very hard, but also don't put too much pressure on yourself in terms of figuring it all out now, figure out what you want to do in your one all year or your two all year, and also be kind to yourself. When I graduated from undergrad, I took about two to three years to really figure out if law school was something that I wanted to do. I'd always had an interest in going to law school, but I think 
as a first generation law student, I didn't really have a good concept of what exactly all went into law school and what exactly the practice of being a lawyer was. Before I made that big monetary investment of and also time investment, I really did a lot of research to see if being a lawyer was something I wanted to do. One thing I would recommend for people who are contemplating that would be to, if you have a LinkedIn, go and find someone in a practice area that you're interested in, reach out to them and have a conversation with them about what exactly it looks like to be a lawyer in that area. That's something that I did. I reached out to an entertainment lawyer and we had a conversation for about an hour or two. And that really gave me kind of a better idea of what exactly it meant to be a lawyer in that area. Also, again, like watching YouTube videos of people going through law school is really helped me make the decision to go. I mean, I had the interest, but I really wanted to know exactly what I was getting into before I did it. Um, so I think that really helped me get like the background knowledge I needed as someone who is a first generation law student. I completely agree with most of what was said, including taking your time to just make sure that law school is something that you want to do. And even if you get there and you decide, okay, this is not for me, like that's fine. <laughs> it's not a failure. I've seen people do that. Also too, I think Miola made a good point about reaching out to people on LinkedIn. Another thing I found useful was if you do take time off beforehand, if you do have people in your current workplace who were lawyers or know someone, or even just reaching out to your alumni community from your undergraduate institution, that's another thing I did. Most schools have some sorts of directories where you can see where the alumni are now and most of the time people are really happy to talk about themselves especially lawyers that's one thing i noticed and also too i i think that law school it could seem really scary especially for someone who's the first one in their family which was my case as well but i really do think the bark of law school is bigger than the bite there's so much there's so much we think it is that it really isn't and it kind of just goes to what everyone was saying about figuring it out as you go along yes some people start in different places because maybe their parents were lawyers but i think in the end everyone is really just figuring it out as you go along and just own the accomplishment of getting into law school once you're there there's no reason for you to think wow i can't compete with these people you went through the, the same process as they did you're there for a reason. There's no reason to think that you don't deserve to be in the classroom with the next person whose parents or may come from a legacy of lawyers in their family. So I think that's one thing to really keep in mind in law school. Wow, so many gems here. I love these comments and advice. Jackie, um, can I, sorry, can I just add one thing? Yeah, sure. Uh, Go ahead. Just in terms of what Miola said with regards to reaching out, I, I think that that's, that's like golden advice uh, that you should apply across the board because there are so many opportunities while you're in law school um, and, and not everything is necessarily explained until you have to apply. So I just remember like <laughs> before clinics, reaching out to every to someone on each clinic that I was interested in, you know? Um, and that really gave me, that informed whether I wanted to apply and whether I wanted to be on the clinic. And it, it informed what I said in the interview because I knew more. And also 
like just ADR, I reached out to Jasmine, Mukoda reached out to Ayana, like just reach out all of the time. I, I, it really feels like in law school, you can't, you have to like, you have to be a go-getter and you have to go and get all of the advice and insight that you can so that you can make the best decisions for yourself. Yeah, that's really important because law school honestly is all about relationships and who you meet and what they know and how they can help you. So many important things in terms of creating a network. But I wanted to ask Victoria, one of the interesting and honestly powerful parts of your journey in law school is that you're a mother and a student. How do you juggle school and family life? And what advice do you have for mothers who are looking at going back to graduate school, professional school, just continuing their career? Yeah, I think that's such a great question. And I'll take the second part first. What advice I would give? The first thing I always say is say yes to yourself. And that's across the board, but especially if you are a parent and then even more specifically, if you are a mother, I think the narrative that we often hear is before I had you, I was doing this and that and this and that. And, you know, you're like, wow, like that's so cool. What happened? <laughs> and, you know, you often, it often feels, which it is, but it often feels like parenthood is synonymous with consistent self-sacrifice. And something that I keep in mind is that one day um, my son will be big, right? He won't be a baby anymore. He won't need me. I mean, he's only two, but he's already showing me how independent he is, right? Mm -hmm. And he'd be doing his own thing. He'd be like, yo, ma, get your own life. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's something that I always keep in the back of my mind that he's going to have his own life. And it's important for me that he sees what it looks like to, you know, chase your dreams, right? Whatever your, whatever that passion and those dreams may be. I think it's amazing, right? I mean, the sacrifices that, that many of our mothers have made have gotten us to where we are, right? So there's nothing, Mm -hmm. there's, I'm so grateful for that. But with that said, part of their sacrifice was for me to continue the torch, right? Continue carrying the torch. And I think when you're thinking about whether or not you want to, you know, if grad school is a thing for you, I think you have to think, you know, what what is going to make me the best person, right? Um, because when I'm filling my cup, I'm able to give to others, right? If I'm trying to be a mother and do this and do all these things, and at, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I make a list of everything that I did during that day and nothing of nothing on that list was for me. Eventually your cup is going to run dry. Mm-hmm. Right. So I feel like the same way that we as mothers, we water everyone else's dreams and passions. We have to do that for ourselves as well. Um, and then in terms of how I balance it, I think I say no a lot. <laughs> something I had to learn though, because I'm so used to saying yes all the time, right? So I said yes to myself, but then with that being said, that means I'm not going to have space for all, for everything, right? And that's okay. I had a manager once told me, you can have it all, but you can't have it all right now. And at first it seemed a little discouraging. Like, what? I'm going to do everything, you know what I mean? And I think what she was really saying is you have to choose what you want to bloom right now. Mm. And I when I made the decision to say yes to myself and go to law school, I knew that I was going to have to say no to other things. And I became very intentional about what I was 
going to say yes to. And, um, you know, time management, having support. So going back a little bit to, you know, advice when you're contemplating law school, you do need a lot of support, right? So whether that's family, friends, and for, for many, I've met many women who went through law school with children who might have been in a different state, so they didn't have family. So then that's when you start to ask the questions of the institutions that you're looking at. What type of resources do you have? What kind of, what kind of accommodations do you have? Have you dealt with having a parent as a law student before, or will I be the first one, right? Um, because you do need community around you. Um, but I think once you answer those questions, then I think you just go for it. You don't look back. Um, it's a daily practice saying yes, right? You don't just say yes and then like everything falls into place. I think each and every day you say, you know what, I'm choosing myself today. I'm saying yes today and I'm going to roll with the punches and I'm going to get through and I'm going to be successful. Um, you know, affirmations are so important, right? Um, those are all the things that I think keep me going, um, and the advice that I would give. That, that was very beautiful. I wholeheartedly agree with what you said, and it's important to acknowledge that students don't come in cookie cutter molds. Like everybody has a unique journey and unique circumstances. So I appreciate you highlighting that. Um, so continuing on to that moment where you know you're in law school, you have the acceptance letter, and you're at the week of orientation. What would you tell you're just about to start law school before any classes, orientation events, or even before walking through that door, 1L self? Like one piece of advice you would give that person. I can jump in. Um Thinking back to that time, I feel like I should have been a little bit more organized. I, I think along the way, I started to do more research on little hacks, life hacks to save time, like meal planning, writing down everything I had to do, not thinking like, oh, I, I can remember it. No, start using those digital calendars, have a planner ready. Um, just little things like that, that could save you extra time. Or even if you go to school in a city, making sure you have a lunch ready so you're not wasting time going out to buy lunch because that can take out a big chunk of the time that you could use for studying. You could be in the library at that time. So I think that's one thing I would tell myself and just to go along with, you know, what we talked about for the last question, make just make sure you're you're talking to people and talking to your professors and asking questions. Even if you have even the slightest hesitation about something or something's a little bit confusing, just make sure you're asking the questions and seeking out your professors and talking to your colleagues because chances are if you have a question, even if you think it might be dumb, someone else also has a question. And so that's I think pretty much that's the advice I would have given myself my first on my first day of 1L. Okay, continuing on to law school. Law school is a, a very unique experience that hinges on a, a lot of in-person relationships, but now we're in this moment where Zoom school of law is the reality. Um, so how would you describe your experience of doing law school online and 
how do you maintain boundaries with life and law school, especially in this moment, but even generally in law school? Never in a million years would I have thought that I would be hopping on a computer, (laughs) signing in to see my professors and colleagues. And then, you know, end of class, I look around, I'm still at home. (laughs) And it's where you work, where you do life, where you sleep, right? Um, So that has definitely been challenging because it's not your ideal, right? When you think of going to law school, that's not what you think of doing. Um, And I think the biggest thing for me has been giving myself the necessary breaks. And I think Kinsani mentioned it earlier, right? Grace. So part of that, the manifestations of grace for me have been, you know, taking that break, making sure I'm eating, going for that walk. As Jasmine mentioned, staying organized, part of that calendar is you time. And like, this is when I need to study. This is when I need, you know, this is when I have classes. This is when I need to sit down and do nothing. (laughs) They always feel like there's something to do. Um, and, and also because you're not in school, right? So you're not around the hustle as much, right? You have to kind of create it for yourself, making sure you're still meeting, you know, I need to meet with a professor, or I need to meet with another student, um, creating um, groups, right? Study groups and things like that, right? Like trying to recreate the law school experience as much as possible has been really helpful because it is very different. It is very different. And I think it is challenging to stay motivated as well. I, I, I don't want to be disingenuous. I, it's very hard to strike a balance in law school. And I, for one, did not strike a balance in my first year. I think, I think just in terms of transparency, it is, it's an unbelievable amount of work. <laughs> um, and so, oh, this is one key piece of advice. I, I would recommend that no one works during their first year because I worked during my first semester. And, and that just meant that I was on very little sleep and just on a hundred all of the time. And I think as you figure out, you know, what your schedule is and how much, and how much time you need to do each thing, because that's very personal. Like how much time each of us takes to do a reading, to do an assignment. I, I do know it is critical for you to figure out what makes you happy and for you to be uncompromising with those things. Because in reality, if, if you want to pursue a career at a firm, for example, chances are that it's not going to change, right? You, like you will be working long hours for many years, possibly. And so if that's, if that's the career you want, then law school is like great practice because you have to figure out now, well, even when I'm overwhelmed, or even when I'm under a lot of stress, what are the things I have to do to make sure that I am whole and sane and healthy and happy, right? Because no one else does that for you. So I think it's also a growing process, but, and it isn't easy, but it is probably as, it is as important as doing well in school, figuring out what lifestyle works for you. Yeah. And to kind of piggyback off of what Kentani said, I think there's a quote that says the only way out is through. And I feel like this is a moment that we're all sitting in right now. Everybody's in it. So whether we found a little bit of a balance, there are going to be those days when we're like, oh, my God, I've literally been sitting in front of a screen since I opened my eyes and now it's time to go to bed, you know, so 
Um, some days there will be balance and some days there will be no balance. And just kind of figuring out what that looks like for you, like you have to go through it. So I don't know if I would even say that this is, you know, Zoom University and all this stuff is something that like I hope continues. No, for sure. I really do want to get back to seeing people. But I think that even in that, there is a balance. I know a lot of jobs are talking about um, a three, two, two now, you know, allowing people to come in for three days and, you know, two days off and two days weekend. I, I mean, I think it's all going to take a shift, not only for us as law students, but just in the culture and in the field at large. Yeah, this landscape has changed a lot and mindset as well. Yeah, I completely agree with what everyone said. And I, I would also add that for me, it's been really, really important to just log off because if we're on Zoom for class all day, or maybe we're even working in a remote job, it's hard to spend more time like looking on my phone, even if it's like Instagram or like any other social media. I've really learned this year to cut myself off from that when I just felt like I needed to minimize all of the chatter because it's as soon as you open certain apps, it's just like you're being bombarded with more information that can make it a bit more difficult just to function and focus on class. And even being in on Zoom, it's very easy to get distracted. I know I'm someone I'm really bad about keeping tabs open. I have a million tabs open all the time. So I've just had to really train myself to just focus on what's going on in class and just be disciplined in that way. And it's hard, it's not easy, but even just small things like when I wake up, I try not to look at my phone right away or Little things like that, or if I just, if I want to go for a run, like maybe one day I may just like leave my phone. So it's just like small things like that have just been really refreshing for me and just have helped me to focus more on what I need to do for school. And Miola, you're our 1L rep in the group. How would you describe starting your law school experience in a completely digital landscape? Honestly, it was really nerve wracking. Starting law school is usually exciting, but the summer before there was just so much uncertainty as to whether we were going to be in person or whether we were going to be hybrid or just all online. And for me, I'm coming from Houston. So the whole summer I was going back and forth. Am I going to move? Am I going to stay here? It was just a lot to take in. And then on top of that, you have the learning curve of law school on top of it all being online. And for me, I ended up staying in Houston and being all remote really scared me at first because I was afraid of just being in the house all the time and, and having burnout from that and not being productive because I'm the type of person where I kind of need to commute or need to get out of the house in order to stay focused and refreshed. And I was also worried because I've always shied away from online classes. I've had one or two before, and I just felt a disconnect with learning through online courses. And, and then, like you all mentioned, making connections. As a 1L, it's so important to make connections not only with people in your class, but also upperclassmen. So it's been a lot more difficult to do that in an online remote space. But some things that I did that personally helped me through this semester were, like everyone said, make sure you take some time to yourself. I made sure at least a few days a week, I took at least an hour to go running or working out outside. Or on the weekends, I would go to coffee shops and study there and do some of my work outside of the house because just being inside all the time can really make you feel isolated and 
and make you feel detached from school. So those are some things that really helped me, I guess, not get burned out during the semester. In terms of making connections with other students, really just joining organizations helped. And you just have to make an additional effort to reach out to people, um, especially with it being in an online space. So sending out emails to professors, creating times to meet, just really staying focused. The way that we communicated through the semester was we had a group me. And so staying active on the group me helped me develop some friends and create a study group but you really have to make that extra effort to stay engaged. It doesn't come as natural as it would naturally in person, but this is the new norm for me. A lot of people have asked me, like upperclassmen have asked me, like, how is it being all online? To be honest, I really don't have anything to compare it to. (laughs) So this is the new norm for me personally. So what activities are you all involved in and what experiences have been pivotal in your law school experience thus far? I can jump in. At Cardozo, I am on the ADR Competition Honor Society, and I think that's probably been the most pivotal experience for me in law school. One, because I knew going into law school that it was something I wanted to be a part of. I knew it would improve my speaking and communication skills, and it really has. And even just being a part of a group in school that we all have common interests, and we did talk a little bit about finding your tribe, and I feel like a lot of the people, or a good amount of people on the ADR team, even before I was accepted onto the team, they were my friends. So I think I really found my tribe on that team. Also, I think just by trusting my gut and knowing that was something I wanted to do and pursuing it. It's really been a confidence booster for me, just having done things like like 1L year, the upperclassmen on the team hosted a negotiation competition. And as a 1L, I was able to participate in that and I did pretty well. And it was a huge confidence booster for me because all year, you know, we talked about how there's not much feedback on your work and you may may not be surprised about the grade you get. So I think just by doing well in something where I trusted my gut that I was really interested in, it really boosted my confidence. And then by 2L, like beginning of two or the end of the first semester of 2L, I started to think, wow, I think I I can do this. This is doable. Yeah, it's been an amazing experience. I feel like I am the definition of do too much because one all year I was like really discouraged, but I applied to anything that looked like it possibly could have anything to do with entertainment law. And so as a result, I am currently on Moot Court Honor Society, um, a member of the Indie Film Clinic and working with Minority Law Student Alliance, a bunch of other things that like just were outgrowths of that that type of work. I will say that for Moot Court specifically, and I've had this conversation with Victoria and with Kensani, you know, it really changed the trajectory of my law school career because you cannot argue something that you don't know inside out. You can't actually speak about it if you really don't understand, you know, how this case changed the law or how that case may interact with this set of facts and all those really nuanced things that come out of having to answer a question on the spot. So for me, it just helped me to have a way deeper understanding of how to make arguments um, and a deeper understanding of, you know, when it's time to concede too, when it's time to say, yeah, well, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't help me on this side. So 
I think it definitely changed how I approach law school and it helped me to write. And I also gained a mentor um, out of it, which is the person who's over Moot Court altogether. But it also helped me to find the avenues where I could insert entertainment law in a different way than people would have thought about it. Because I think a lot of times Moot Court is seen as like, you know, we're arguing Fourth Amendment issues or we're arguing anything criminal law or civil rights law. The competitions that I have been a part of, I've been arguing copyright and contracts. And I just think that's not initially the first thing people go to, especially at our school for entertainment and IP, but it is available. So I think that has been a really great way for me to even expand my substantive knowledge. And as far as the indie film clinic, and mostly we've been able to make really great partnerships with entertainment law firms, which is something that really hasn't been done. And I think it's great because that's what our school prides itself on. So to be coming at it from a minority perspective, I think that really just opens up the gates for students like us to see people like we get a lot of opportunity to draft contracts and talk to clients and just feel like we work at a law firm. So I think it kind of pushes you into what you potentially might be doing after graduating. So all of it has been a great experience. I wouldn't trade it. And honestly, I think I've learned more from those organizations than I have learned from certain classwork just because I'm actually doing the work. I'm not just reading from a textbook. I have to go figure it out and I have to present my case and somebody's going to rip it to shreds in moot court and I start from scratch. It's all of that actual work. So yeah, those are the organizations I've been a part of. And Ayana, you had a very creative career path before entering law school with the background in dance like Victoria and Kinsani and then working at a talent agency. So how did these experiences inform your decision going to law school and then what activities you chose to do with this background? Yeah, so I went to the University of Michigan where I got my BFP and dance. And I had always wanted to dance. I really saw myself going on to being on Broadway. I always said I wanted to be a zebra and a lion king. Like it was just a running joke in my family. That's what I would one day do. But the dance scene changed. You know, commercial dance had become a big deal. Whereas when I started high school at LaGuardia and then going on to Michigan, there was more concert dance. It was Ailey, ABT, like all the concert dance was bigger when I went. So by the time I graduated, and that was really no longer the case in terms of truly making money and actually the space to be a part, because there are only limited amounts of opportunities in that space too, I had to think about what else I could do. And I had spent a summer at Broadway Dance Center. And I remember one of the agents from an agency, which I would later go on to work at, saying that she negotiated contracts. And like bells went off in my head. I was like, what? I need to talk to her. So while all the dancers were trying to talk to choreographers, I was in the corner talking to her and trying to figure out what she did, what her career path was, and how I could get there. So I applied the first year. I didn't get it. I didn't get the internship at that agency. And then I applied the second year and I got that internship. And then I worked there and realized how much help I could provide to other dancers, especially being a dancer and coming into it. It just was such a fulfilling experience. And I really did have the background knowledge to employ my friends. It it really was just like, what else are you going to do, Ayana? This is like a cross between maybe going to law school and being a dancer. It was really the perfect fit for me. 
But at the agency in New York, there was no more upward growth. So the next um, natural step then for me was, okay, what else can I do that is maybe adjacent to this type of work? And it was being a lawyer. So that is why I ended up at Cardozo. And I will say that the talent agency experience completely informed what I'm doing now because, well, at firms, I think it's really important to know clients, to be able to bring clients in. And I have been doing that for two years prior to coming to law school, but also it was very client facing. Most of the clients that we had at the talent agency, I knew from being in the industry. So that's also how I understood that entertainment is not just the lawyers over here, the dancers over here, the agents over here. It's an industry. You have to know everybody because even in a even in a contract, you have to talk to talent, you have to talk to their attorneys, you have to talk to so many people, managers that go into this entire process. So just having that background and that understanding that this is a full blown industry, everyone matters, you need to know the quote unquote, least, least important, which I don't really subscribe to least important person, but like, just how people try to rank what people go into a deal, you need to know the least important to the most important person. Um, because they all matter and they all come back around the bend. The, the industry is super small. Yeah, that's great. Anyone else want to talk about their pivotal moment in law school? I can, but before I do, just Ayana, all of that, it's so interesting, I think, especially because it's, this is a side note. I, I'm wondering how the dance industry, be it concert or commercial dance, will be impacted by the pandemic and what the resurgence of that will look like. As it relates to what stood out for me, so I'm on the Bolsa Executive Board, I'm on Mukot Honor Society, and I'm also in the Human Rights Clinic. And the Human Rights Clinic, I think, was the most pivotal experience that I had this semester. And I just, I had the honor of writing a report that was, last week was submitted to the Special Rapporteur at the United Nations. And I got to do fact-finding so if it were not for the pandemic, we would have gone to India because we were working, our clients being mindful of privacy, but our clients are an organization and the topic was basically about how they are a vulnerable group to the crime of rape. And it was truly life-changing. And before I came to law school, my undergrad was at Fordham and Alvin Ailey. They have a joint program. And so I double majored in dance and political science, but my political science degree was focused on human rights. And I don't know why <laughs> it's funny because, as I said earlier, you may not know exactly what you want to do when you come into law school, but I think you have moments where everything kind of clicks. So for me, it was interviewing for the human rights clinic and realizing that, oh, my political science degree was centered around human rights and I am very passionate about it. And then getting to work on this really meaningful project has made me realize that I can pursue human rights law and that I would probably be incredibly fulfilled doing so. But then on the other end, I took a business immigration law class. And that also had a few moments of kind of things clicking into place because being an immigrant in New York and having secured different kinds of visas, two student visas and an extraordinary ability visa, I know what it feels like to have secured an opportunity as an immigrant and know that if you don't get the right visa, you're not going to be able to pursue it. And so I really loved that class. And so I'm also passionate and very interested in helping immigrants to secure the visas that they need in order to pursue the opportunities that they have earned. 
And so, yeah, both, I truly, out of, this is the fall semester of my second year, those two really clear trajectories have come into play. And wherever I land up, I'm just really excited about it. And if you had asked me in my first year exactly what I wanted to do, I wouldn't have had as much clarity as I do now to like boil it down to these two focuses. For me, I am, I'm involved in a lot of different things, but I'm the president of BALSA, which is the Black Law Students Association. I'm also on the e-board of the Minority Law Students Alliance, as well as a student leader for something at Cardoza called P-Law Week, which is Public Law Advocacy Week. And I think through those experiences, the most pivotal thing for me has been honestly the people I have met and connecting and learning it was mentioned earlier, right? You don't really, and I think law school in general, right? You don't really know what it means to practice law and what that looks like. But what I have learned is how to connect with people and how to advocate for myself as well as others. And I think through just various classes and various experiences, I'm also um, a member of the ADR Competition Honor Society And uh, this past fall, I did the ABA, the American Bar Association arbitration competition. And it just the people that I met and the experience with that just gave me so much confidence as I continue to really figure out what I want to do. I know that I want to practice in the entertainment industry. I also have interest in real estate. And I think once again, just networking and talking to people and being vulnerable has been pivotal for me and has been life-changing for me because I've met and had a chance and opportunity to connect with so many people. That has been, I think, the best thing for me, just building community and building a network. So when I do graduate, which will happen, amen, (laughs) I'll have this, this wonderful network to turn to. In the spring, I'll be doing the Visual and Performing Arts Law Clinic, which I'm super excited about. It's the reason why I came to law school, and I'll be at VLA, Volunteer Lawyers for the Arts. I'll, I'll definitely check back in with you, Charity, in, in a couple of months and let you know. <laughs> yeah, that was a <laughs> pivotal moment for me, too. <laughs> that was one of my favorite externship experiences, so I wish you good luck. Yeah, for me, I'm currently a 1L rep for BALSA. I'm on the Entertainment Law Society, and I'm also in the Women in Law Initiative. And really, for me, this semester, those organizations have been so helpful for me to just get a sense of community, like what Victoria was saying, especially this being my first semester in law school and we're online and it's so hard to connect with people outside of class. I've been able to not only meet a lot of upperclassmen through these organizations, but get a better idea of some of the opportunities that are here at the school, which is sometimes a little bit of a disconnect when you're doing everything thing online and you haven't met anyone in person. So I think for students, you know, say if we're still online next fall and there's incoming 1Ls, I would just recommend them to, you know, don't join every organization because you have a lot of work, <laughs> but do join some organizations because that's really going to be the best way for you to connect with people, especially when you're all online. Well, everyone's very busy out there. But to wrap up a little bit, where do you see your career in the next decade? This can be like the type of field of law you want to get into or a vision board for how you see yourself working in the future or how you see yourself as a person in the future, anything like that. I can jump in. Um, 
So what do I see for myself? I have a lot of different interests and I've been lucky enough to explore most of them during my time in law school, whether it was through internships or other experiences. So I'm interested in securities law, privacy law, trade. And I also really love learning foreign languages. I'm hoping I could incorporate all my interests into a career and practicing some sort of international transactions law where I could use my Spanish language skills. Also, I know a little bit of Portuguese. So I think my dream is being a lawyer who can maybe practice between the U.S. and Latin America. I'm really betting and hoping that the online format (laughs) that we're moving to could work to my advantage in the future. I'm hoping to build more of an international legal career where I could also just have many communities like this one all over the world. 10 years is in a very long time. I, as I said, I'm really interested in either business immigration or human rights law. And so I'm interested in getting experience in either of those practice areas during my 2L summer and then going from there. But if I do happen to go into human rights law, then hopefully there'll be an aspect of diplomacy in my future, which would be incredible. And then in the business immigration space, if I work for a firm for a couple of years, I would hope to start my own firm and really get to focus on not necessarily corporations, but on families, you know, helping young professionals to come over, whether they are artists or athletes or getting H1Bs, and then also figuring out how to help their children come over to study or what have you. What comes to mind is that, you know, God kind of points you in the direction, but you don't get the full map. And so all of this is faith, but definitely I'm excited about either future and how it comes into place as I, as I pursue it each semester before I graduate and beyond. I definitely agree. I think 10 years, there's so much that can happen in 10 years, but I think something that I always ground myself in is I, I want to be happy. <laughs> I want to be happy in 10 years. My goal is to have a career that is fulfilling and that allows me to be able to give back and allows me to add value to my community, more specifically just Black and Brown communities and making sure that we have the tools that we need because a lot of it is hidden. <laughs> and that's that's part of the reason why I even came to law school. The languages, it's, it's English, but it's different, right? So yeah, for me, 10 years, happy and adding value to my people. I guess I would say in 10 years, I would just still hope that the best is yet to come for me. I noticed through working in all of these organizations at school and, you know, having a job before that I have a lot of different skill sets and and I don't necessarily want to confine myself to just the practice of law. I mean, I think a law degree can be used in so many amazing ways to help so many different companies and missions and people. I really do hope that I can continue to inspire people, whether that be through the things that I've done or just connecting people that I've met along the journey. But more than anything, I really do hope that the story is still yet to be written and that there's something still really exciting about doing this work. Yeah, and Ayana, you have an amazing inspirational platform called The Gym Jar. Can you tell the audience about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Actually, thank you for even mentioning it. Today, we are dropping our YouTube channel. So everybody go ahead and subscribe. But the gem jar was actually created during my 1L year. I was in a really, you know, low place because I had all the ideas of failure and all that stuff in my head. And I just made it a point to seek inspiration, to seek being uplifted and motivated. And so I used to just screenshot a bunch of quotes and I started it anonymously. I just put it out there and just started posting stuff. But then in 2020, I decided that it was really important for people to know, you know, that is my voice too, because it was something that allowed me to free myself into my own purpose, which I think truly is inspiration and not necessarily any job, but just the inspiring of people to whatever their purpose is. So that really was the birth of the gem jar. And it's growing into a lot of things that I didn't even expect when I started it. Yeah, you can tap into the gem jar at underscore the gem jar on Instagram. And yeah, it's just a platform for people to continue to be inspired. Yeah, that's lovely. So each episode, I like to end with the question, who is your sister in law? This can be a fellow colleague, a mentor, your bestie from law school, or any legal queen that you're inspired by. This is easy for me because everyone is on the call. (laughs) But honestly, being a part of BOSA, we have a mentorship program and I signed up for it in my one all year. And I was partnered, I was matched with Jasmine. And I honestly, I, I, I don't know if I've told you this, but it was the first time that someone just sat down with me, got me coffee, and she spent over an hour with me of just asking, like, how are you? How are things going? Are you okay? How can I help? And Charity, I just, I want to commend you for starting this channel just because it's true. We need support, particularly Black women in law school. It can be an isolating experience and not the most encouraging one. And just having a sister-in-law see you and acknowledge the hard work and to be encouraging is, it's a game changer. It really is. And then Ayana, I reached out to her, as I mentioned, to find out about Mukot, and she was really the reason why I wanted to be on it. But again, she just spoke with so much passion and was so, like, it was already quarantine, and so it was a phone conversation, but I could feel her warmth through the phone. And then I've had the honor of being on the Bolsa Executive Board under the direction of Victoria. And this woman is such an incredible leader just in terms of like being very clear on her mission, but also reaching out to each of us and finding out what our strengths are and how she can support us to help to serve the mission. Truly, I I don't, I'm not, this is just so true. And it's just happenstance that everyone is on the call. And then of course, Miola bringing you on board for Mosa. I'm so excited to get to know you, but Charity, it's so important that we look out for each other and that we let one another know that we're here for support that law school is not an easy thing and you shouldn't do it alone. You really, you should reach out based on your interest area, but you should also reach out to your sisters, to each of us who are in different ways going through the same thing. I don't really know how to top that. That's so sweet, Kinsani. And I'm on the same page as you. All of my sisters-in-law are on this call. 
I remember being matched with you. Actually, the way it happened was I was on the Bolsa eboard and I remember, I think the mentorship program was going and I saw in the inbox, in the Bolsa inbox that we had one more request. And I was like, oh, I think I know this girl because I remember talking to you at one of the admitted students day and just remembering how excited you were and you were asking such great questions. I was like, oh, I'll be her mentor. So I was just so happy to be able to share my experience and help anyone in any way. So it's just been great getting to know you. And yeah, it's I we already have a strong friendship and I'm just super excited to see what you do in your career and just just continue to build this community. Same thing, I remember meeting Ayana, 1L year. Definitely wanna get to know you more. There just has not been enough opportunities for that. So I'm looking forward to doing that in the future. Same with Victoria, love, love, love having you on the ADR Competition Honor Society. Even last year when you were the the 1L rep for Bolsa, I just remember being so inspired by just your leadership skills and how amazing of a speaker you are and just like being inspired in general, seeing that you were a mom, like, wow, she's amazing. She's superwoman. And also charity, of course. I remember feeling so alone one all year and our lockers just so happened to be next to each other. And you did your thing. You struck up small conversation with me here and there and our friendship grew. So I'm just so grateful to have met you. And yeah, I even remember you giving me a property supplement and I really needed that. So. Thank you. And Miola, unfortunately, since everything has been online, we haven't been able to meet in person, but I'm sure we will in the near future. And I'm just so excited. And thank you, Charity, for building this community. I feel like you guys are doing this whole thing and the tears really could just start flowing because I think your question was great, but I don't think we have one sister-in-law. Like, I think what has come out of being at Cardoza for all of us is that we're all connected and even us not getting a chance to meet Miola in the same way. It's like, yeah, that's still my sister too. I've seen her at all the meetings. I see the messages going off and it's her. And in my mind, it's like, I don't even know her. But it's still that connectivity that we feel to the entire group that connects us to each one of us individually. And I've had some really great moments with all of you. And I I will honestly say a sister-in-law for me is someone who has been able to step outside of just the walls of Cardozo and really take a look into, like Kinsani said, someone who sees you. And I think everyone here we've been interested in the other things that we're all doing. Victoria being a mom, Kensani being a dancer and her whole process and just the amount of amazing things that everyone has been able to do. So I would say too, that everyone on this call is my sister-in-law. And then there are people who aren't even on this call that, you know, have been able to inspire me on my journey and vice versa. So I, I just think that our community at large is just like a sisterhood altogether. Yeah, I completely agree. As someone who personally, I'm the baby of the bunch of my siblings. And I only, I don't have any sisters. I have a brother. Being able to connect with so many just awesome women has been amazing for me. So at Cardozo, I started in the May program. So we didn't really have, you know, anyone around. It was just us, one L's, and then the three L's, the ones who graduated, who wanted nothing to do with us because they were studying for the bar. (laughs) And um, one of the first people that I I really sat down and had just a heart to heart with was Ayana. And it just clicked for me. And I was like, yep, meant to be here. And I've had those type of experiences with everyone on this call and including my girl, Grayson, as she's on on the call. But that's one of 
my law school besties for sure. Just being able to connect. And it's something that I've always wanted. I feel even through undergrad and career wise, just wanting to be able to connect with like-minded women who we have our challenges. We have our places of triumph and growth and just being able to be a part of that has been so inspiring for me. And I love it. I love it. I love my sisters-in-law. <laughs> and I'm excited to continue to build and continue to watch where everyone goes and does in law, outside of law, all of it. When you guys, if you choose to, you have your babies, you get married, whatever you choose to do, I'm excited for the whole person to see each and every one of you guys just grow. Yeah, I agree with everyone on this call. Everybody here, I would agree, is my sister-in-law because I'm so inspired hearing everyone's background stories, the goals, the entrepreneurship, charity, you creating this podcast, Ayana, your platform. Just hearing all these background stories is so inspiring to me as an incoming 1L of the things that I can do while I'm in law school. And even though I've, you know, I'm here in Houston and I haven't been able to talk to all of you all, hearing this is so inspiring and is going to give me ideas about what I can do. In particular, I would say Victoria. She is my mentor with Balsa and she's been so helpful for me this first semester. I remember one time it was during finals. I was like laying in bed stressed out and she just happened to call me and she made me feel a lot better stressing out about a contracts final. And and she was, she was just so supportive and like, it's okay, you're going to do fine. And she sent me resources and it just made me feel a lot better having that sense of community and that reassurance that, hey, I'm on the correct path. It's okay to feel stressed. It's okay to feel, you know, it's okay to have feelings about that. So I want to thank her for being such a great support system and just a great leader with Balsa. And I've also been able to connect with Kinsani, who is just a light. She's such a great personality from the times that I have spoken with her with the Balsa meetings. So I would say those are my sisters-in-law. Additionally, this first semester, I had Professor Gillis for CivPro, and she's a Black woman professor. And in undergrad, I went to a PWI, and I think I only had one professor that was Black, and that wasn't until my senior year of college. It's very refreshing coming in as a 1L and having a Black woman as a professor who is so experienced in the field and also just so knowledgeable. It was just reinforcement to me of the things that I can do as a Black woman in law. So I would say I'm so inspired by everyone here, and I'm so happy to be on this podcast and speak with you all. I love this love fest going on right now. It's so amazing. makes my heart so full to hear you guys say such beautiful things about each other. I want to thank you all for joining, and I really appreciate you sharing your stories. So where can the people find you connecting on social media or anything? If you want people to find you, where are some platforms that the audience can follow you on? So I'm on Instagram. So v.c.low, L-O-W-E. So you can find me. I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Miola underscore Easter. I also recently created a clubhouse so you can connect with me on there. And you can also connect with me on Instagram underscore me East underscore. You can also find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is jazzy76, J-A-Z-Z-I-I-7-6. You can also find me on Instagram. My tag is Ken. K-H-E-N, period, sunny, like a sunny day. 
And you guys can find me. My personal page is at Yana Mac. That's at Y-A-N-A-A-M-A-C. And my gem jar page is at underscore the gem jar. Okay. Thank you, ladies, for joining. Thank you, Charity. Thank you. Thank you, Charity. Yay. (laughs) That was a very heartfelt ending. It was even more amazing hearing it while recording, to be honest. To hear more from the ladies, please follow them on social media and also make sure you're following us at Sisters in Law on Instagram, at Sisters in Law Pod on Twitter, and like our Facebook page, Sisters in Law Podcast. For more information about today's episode and to access a full transcript of the recording, go to www.sistasinlaw, that's S-I-S-T-A-H-S-I-N-L-A-W dot org. Thank you for tuning in with me this week and stay tuned for our next Sista-in-Law on January 29th. Talk soon. Peace. Mm-hmm.